Terry Phillips, how are you doing today? Hello, Rick Brinkus. How you yes. doing? Yes, Rick Brinkus here with Keller Williams Realty, the marketplace. And uh, just over my shoulder there, there's a, a little little commercial in the background and a uh, way that you can get in touch with me. But I've got lender extraordinaire, Carrie Phillips. Uh, and uh, uh, Carrie, we're going to go over rates are super low right now. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll kind of dive into what's happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm Carrie Phillips. I'm the owner of RateWise Mortgage and I've been a lender for 20 years and I've known you and Terry for 10 years and work with you all. So um, I'm happy to be here and I'm glad to talk mortgage, mortgage smack today. Yes, yes. No, I mean, just lots of questions, just some incredible stuff. The interest rates are just, I, I, I just pinch myself. Uh, 30 years in the business when I got into the real estate business, um, uh, interest rates were at like 13% and they kept getting lower and lower. And then once they got below 10, it was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Below 5%. What are some of the interest rates that you're locking in 30 year, 15 year? What, what, what rates have you gotten uh, people recently? Well, in the VA world, we're locking people on a 30 year mortgage at two and a half percent. My goodness. In the FHA world, we're locking people at around 2.25, 2.375, no joke, 30 year fixed. If they have above a you know, 660, 680 FICO score. And then a regular conventional is around 2.75 to 2.875. And these are 30 year fixed mortgages wow. and no points. I mean, I, you talk about pinching yourself. I'm, I'm living in Disneyland every day um, right now. Um, you know, cause every call that I make to a past client, it's, it's, Hey, I, you know, these are rates and they're locking at a percent plus lower. Um, and saving a ton of money. So it's just, those are just fun calls. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Just, just uh, so exciting. And uh, 15 years, even better than those? 15 years is usually about a quarter percent less on a conventional. It's only about an eighth of percent less uh, on FHA and VA, but ba basically rates are in the twos. It, I've never said that in my 20 year career. <laughs> <laughs> twos. So um, they're great. Yeah, no, fa fantastic. And you know, one of the questions, and it, it's it's kind of not a, uh, you know, the, the, as Paul Harvey would say, there's there's the rest of the story. People will ask me just kind of conversationally, I'll, I'll see them at a restaurant or um, uh, they'll, they'll call up and, hey, Rick, what are rates at? And it's not really that there's not enough information with just that one question. Would, would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. And I, I think, um, you know, you can generalize and say, gosh, you know, everything that I'm reading or, you know, and I was talking to Kara the other day, they seem to be in the twos, but I, you can follow that. With, and, and I say this to a lot of realtors because I always compare you guys to Disneyland and I'm kind of the dentist. They want to go to the Disneyland first to talk through, you know, rates and the fun stuff. And then they get qualified and do the, 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 the serious stuff, um, you know, and the financial stuff with me. I, I, but they're going to go to you first. And I think that if you were to say, you know, here's a general idea, but um, there are 24 things that go into an interest rate, 24. And I'll give you that list wow. and maybe put that out um, there during this podcast, you know, after the podcast. But it's, Perfect. you know, whether it's a fixed rate, whether it's an arm, whether it's, you know, a loan amount under 150,000, whether it's a purchase, whether it's a refinance, whether it's a cash out, whether they have a 620 to 660 FICO score, 660 to seven, you know, 679. There are tiers in the in the in the credit score and things in the and where the rates are. So lots of factors there. So um, it, it, I, it I makes really, sense. I mean, if you think about it, um, of course, somebody that has uh, different credit scores, they're going to get different rates. Somebody that's uh, getting a lower loan amount, maybe 125,000. 
uh, is going to be different than somebody that's getting a larger loan amount or if, yep. they're, if they're doing a refinance versus a purchase or cash out. So th thank you so much for explaining that there. Yeah. I didn't realize there was 24 factors. That is incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll give you the list. Okay, outstanding. And uh, some of your past clients, I've had a number of people, um, you know, pulling some cash out and buying a rental property, kind of using this low, uh, what, what some people are referring to as almost free money uh, to, to go out there and actually create some wealth for yourself. Have you had some uh, past clients uh, experience that as well? What, I, what we're seeing probably one out of 10 clients right now do a refinance and I'm also giving a pre-qualification at the same time because they're getting cash out and they're buying another. You know, investment home loans used to be rates in the, in the fives and that was a really good rate. Investment rates are now in the threes, which is amazing where if an investor purchases every $100,000 is about a $400 payment. So you, you can get a $200,000 house, have an $800 a month payment, and then rent it out for $1,200. So, you know, um, lots of investors coming out right now, especially they, they feel like they're getting great deals out there because of um, you know, just the market and whatever's going on. Plus, interest rates just make it so affordable for people to, to buy and make a, make a profit. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, putting the money in the bank, uh, even in a CD, it's just uh, not getting the return that you can with, with a rental property. So, For and, sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Carrie, uh, Terry and I don't, uh, we have a number of rental properties that we have ourselves and wholeheartedly believe have helped uh, numerous clients uh, create a lot of wealth uh, with that, pay for college education for their kids and so on. Uh, we don't do property management ourselves, but we do have a property management division at our office and they do a terrific job screening the tenants, uh, helping find that great tenant, writing a good strong lease. Uh, they've got a whole team of, of repair contractors uh, if they need something and uh, just making sure that you're protected the whole way through. So uh, invaluable. Uh, yeah, having a management company is, I think, the only way to go. You know, if you own a, an investment property, have somebody else manage it. I, it's worth the, the percentage for sure. Sure. No, a lot of expertise with that. So uh, the other thing that has become very uh, conversational today is forbearance agreement. Uh, people, people hear forbearance agreement and they, uh, many times they think, hey, this is free money or an opportunity to not make payments and I don't have to pay it 100% of the time. The belief is that I don't have to pay this until year 30. They're putting it on the back of the loan. Is that always the case? Are there guidelines? Is it changing kind of um, uh, several times? I, I've heard that there's been a couple of flip-flops on different uh, uh, programs out there. So can you talk to us a little bit about a forbearance sure. agreement? And uh, kind of the second part to that question is, how would that affect if somebody is in a forbearance agreement and then they think they may want to refinance down the road or they may want to sell and buy something here within the next uh, 12 months or 18 months? Yeah, um, sure. I, you know, there've been a couple changes in the last six weeks. Um, we've gotten uh, guidelines direct from Fannie. Um, these guidelines that I'm about to state are, are, are Fannie, um, you know, driven but what i've learned recently is that um different investors can make their own rules seems like so take that for what it is i the the rule it used to be that you you made um you could skip three payments and then it was all due at once um about two weeks ago we got guidelines that stated that 
you're well, able well, to hold on a second let me just see if i understand what you said sure. so, um, um th th these rules came out people heard that they could do a forbearance agreement uh there would be no late payments uh and they they missed their payment in april may and june and now all of a sudden it's july um and some of the time you're saying that now july all four payments are due correct that's what it was okay. and um then we got a guideline change from Fannie that said, hey, you're able to go 12 months without making a payment, and then that amount of money will be added on the back end. Um, as far as how it will impact if you were in forbearance and you were trying to refinance or trying to purchase another home, the rule is that you have to come um, current with all of your payments before you can refinance or purchase. Uh, they figure if you're if you're in forbearance you're at a hardship and so it wouldn't make sense for them to give you additional financing without you you know showing that you're not in a hardship um and then you you had mentioned that you had a couple clients uh the other day that you were sitting across from and they had a different experience so i was i'm curious on that yeah so so um on, on four different uh, occasions in the last couple of weeks uh the, the, the we sat down they said hey rick we're taking advantage of the forbearance agreement and um uh, you know our, our payments are going on the back end and i said well let's let's uh, maybe that's the case but let's go ahead and call your lender just to verify would that be okay and in each one of these four cases they said no the expectation is that all four payments are made in uh july and shock with the people sitting across the table from me they said I don't have four payments. I can maybe make up some. We we need to kind of do you know some sort of an agreement. And they said you would have to apply for a loan modification. Um, so that is actually a you know a formal um, applying for a loan modification, and it can be one of anything. They could say we'll give you 90 days to catch up. We'll give you 12 months to catch up. It may be put on the back end. And there may be some people uh, that were downsized or lost their job. And when that happens, sometimes they're automatically denied for a loan modification uh, when that happens. So, so you know, kind of going down the road a little bit, we're still in a little bit of area that I, I kind of refer to as wet cement. Um, there, there, there's some changes that may happen. There's, it's not exactly uh, cast in stone yet. Um, and, and some of those homes may end up where the people are not able to make up the back payments and then all of a sudden they become 90 days late, six months late, and a notice of default could be filed uh, going Yeah, on. I mean, end result is really call your servicer and find out what, and, and I would try to get everything in writing to say, what are your rules? How does it work? You know, with you, you specifically, because you just, you had four different responses from different clients. I've got a guideline that I'm reading that is, is different, you know, a little bit different. So, you know, I would think that it, it could be a service, a servicer call, an investor call of what, how they want to handle that. Because they bought the loan, they can make the rule. Sure. Uh, I was at a client's house yesterday, uh, helping them sell their house here. They're buying out of state. And uh, when they ran their credit and everything, AAA, he says, I've got, I've got an 800 FICA score. I've, that's one thing I really pride myself on. And my lender called me yesterday and said, I, he had called his uh, uh, servicer to, to get some answers. And they said, oh, we've got you taken care of. Everything's great. He has an automatic uh, deduct. So his payments actually have been made. Yeah. Uh, and they put him into a forbearance agreement. His lender said, well, I can't do the loan if you're in a current forbearance agreement. He goes, well, I'm not. I, I just asked how it works. So sometimes just by simply asking, you need to be careful, be specific, um, th that they don't put you into a forbearance agreement. I, I actually heard of that um, from one of my um, uh, 
client, past clients named Brian. He, he did the same thing. He was just calling to inquire. And uh, they just, uh, when I pulled his credit, it said that he was in forbearance and he had no idea. He said, oh no, I've been making my payments. So you're right in that. You just got to, so what do you do? Not call and get um, information from your servicer? <laughs> and I, don't, I, I think you just kind of circle back at the end of the day. I think, uh, you know, everybody has good intentions, but you have somebody answering the phones and they're typing very fast and they, they the, the 10 calls before them all wanted to do a forbearance and they just kind of go down that path. So you just yeah. slow them down a little bit and ask the question. So a couple, couple of things, uh, just when we hear servicer um, and we also hear investor um, on the loan, um, can, can you kind of explain the difference between a servicer and an investor um, when, when we're talking about mortgages? Sure. Well, when I, um, when I do a loan and I fund the loan um, on my warehouse line, I have investors that I can sell to. And the investors will either um, buy the loan and then bundle it up and sell it on the secondary market and not service it. Or the investor can actually also be the servicer. So a servicer is the one that you make the payments to. Um, the investor is the but one- Servicing the loan, you're, you're making a payment to XYZ Mortgage Company. Yep. And they may or may not be the end investor. Correct. But, Correct. Yeah. And, and the uh, so rules may change even within the same servicer, even though um, two two past clients, two friends may be making their payment to the same mortgage company, um, ABC Mortgage. Those that that same uh, servicer may have two different investors, and they may have two different answers on a forbearance agreement, is that? Correct, you're, correct? you're spot on right there. Yep, and some, um, of the, some of these investors, the household names like uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it could be something like that, or it could be the school teachers credit union in Iowa, right, yeah. that has purchased some mortgages and they're investing in the retirement plan. Uh, so you, you could get vastly different uh, answers and rules depending on who the investor is. That is correct, yeah. Per perfect. Um, so, so yeah, no, just, uh, you know, uh, we hear things like that coming up all the time and we just want to get clarification uh, going forward with all of those. Now, uh, the, the market has been blistering hot. We've had six straight weeks where the number of sales have exceeded the number of new listings coming on the market. We've seen the inventory kind of go down and down. We've seen multiple offers many times. Uh, is there something that a buyer can do uh, besides getting pre-qualified, is there something that would strengthen their offer compared to uh, if they were in competition in a multiple offer situation? Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, let's define what a pre-qualification is. It's where a lender takes an application, they run credit, and they say, you know, if you can prove everything that you've told me, you should be able to qualify for two hundred thousand, this much down payment, and this is your and this is your actual payment. They give a letter that says that they've taken an application to run credit that's probably 90% or 95% of what offers come and you can answer this better than I can, but every agent that I've talked to, you know, nine times out of 10, if they get 10 offers on a house, most of them just have a pre-qualification letter. Um, what, 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 what I, what, what is the best way to do it? And what, what we pride ourselves in at our, uh, at rate wise is, uh, we, we get all the documentation up front and we, you know, income assets, um, we do all the background checks, you know, we, um, any, anything that's done that we can do that doesn't have anything to do with the property that they're going to buy, 
but everything that has to do with the borrower, we get signed off by an underwriter. And then we give what we call a wise approval. It's a full underwritten pre-approval that actually tells a seller, essentially, you're not going to have a mortgage bomb happen in the middle of a transaction, right? Because sometimes that happens where, you know, a client says that they make something, you know, in, in income. And then when the verifications of employment or, or pay stubs come in, it's, it's le much less than what they, what they really make. And then they don't qualify and then they can't buy the house, but yet they got in contract, they paid for an appraisal. They now lose their earnest money. You know, it, it, you're going to do it anyway, is what my message is to my clients. And so why not do it before you're in contract, before you're at risk, do it when you're, you know, when you're, sitting on a Saturday, not worried about closing on a contract or stressed out about that. Just get it done because it, it lasts 120 days. But that with a phone call from a lender that's to the listing agent saying, hey, listen, we verified this. This is what this letter means. They are good to go. This is my personal cell. You can call me, get status, but they are good. You're not going to have to worry about a mortgage. That is something that also helps the client uh, stand apart because um, it's just not the normal. So my advice to any borrower is to find a lender that's going to go to that full extent, even without a contract. Some, many lenders do not do that because it costs money to pay an underwriter. And, you know, when you don't even have a contract yet, my belief um, is that those people that go to that extent, that get fully underwritten and approved, do the work they're going to close escrow. They want, they're motivated. They're they're and, and they're, it's going to happen for them. So it's not a waste of time and money. So sure. no, no, that's, that's uh, um, absolutely spot on. And um, if they found something and the seller needed to, for a variety of reasons, close in two weeks or three weeks instead of 45 days, because you've done all that work, could they close that loan? Quicker? Sure. Our average closing time is 18 to 21 days on those people that get the wise approval. And that's because the appraisal takes a couple of weeks. You know, if we weren't, sure. if we weren't waiting around for the appraisal, you know, it'd be even sooner than that. But, um, and that is attractive to, to listing agents and to sellers that need to sell immediately. And they, if they can close two to three weeks early than the normal, um, you know, market, then I, that's that's helped um, get offers accepted as well because we put right on the letter can close in as little as 18 to 21 days. So, um, you know, sometimes they don't want to close that quickly, but at least docs are out quickly, and we, but then we're just waiting around to fund, and there's no stress. Yeah, per perfect. Well, and and uh, the the, you know, the values right now are it, it is lots of brisk activity. Buyers are out there; they're taking advantage of these low interest rates, and we saw. Uh, in 2006, years and years ago, we had our high watermark. Then the big, the Great Recession, a big meltdown, and it's been coming back year after year. We matched that in May. Uh, the high watermark of the combined total of uh, single family and condos was 295,000. We hit that last month in June. We eclipsed it for the first time. It was. I didn't know that. 305,000 in many cities around the country, they eclipsed the high water mark years and years ago. In Las Vegas, we were still inching and clawing our way back. We finally, last month was the first time we did it. Uh, so uh, what Terry and I did is we created a website and you can instantly find out the value of your home. Uh, if you just click down below, uh, if you're watching this, 
there, there's a link on there uh, and instantly just put in your address and we'll be able to tell you instantly what your home is worth. Actually, the website will be able to instantly tell you what your home that's is worth. That's cool. So that's really helpful. Uh, somebody that's watching this, if you also want to get more information, if you got some, some great ideas here, if it caused you to think a little bit more, you can reach out to Carrie or myself uh, and go ahead and subscribe down below. We have lots of great content and information uh, designed to help you uh, get more information about what's happening in the Las Vegas market. So Carrie, if somebody wants to reach you, what would be the best way that somebody, if they had specific questions and, and wanted to reach out to you? Sure, yeah. Um, you can call me personally at my cell at 702-375-3401, or you can go to my website at uh, ratewisemortgage.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much with me. There's, a, there's my sign right over there. The, the phone number is pretty easy, 702-456-5959. Rick Brinkus and the Brinkus team at Keller Williams Realty, the Marketplace. Carrie, thanks so much. Uh, we'll have to do this again. It was super informative. I, I had uh, just a ton of notes. And as you and I were preparing for this, I, I had a couple of questions. And then I had a page and a half of notes and, and, and great information. So, so <laughs> well, thank, thank for, you so much. Always love working with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Yeah. Uh-huh.